Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudlari, and I'm so excited to have you with us here today. We have an amazing episode lined up for you. It's a, a very stark departure from what we normally do. Usually we're talking exclusively about business. In the last several episodes in particular, we've had really this clinical focus on what's going on in the industry what you should be doing and how you should be doing it because we're trying to get you the right information and advice to get through what is a very tough time. It's certainly a very noble goal, but as I looked over the last several episodes, I thought, you know what, we could use a little shot in the arm of humanity, some hope and some inspiration. So I reached out to Jamie Beck. Jamie Beck is an amazing photographer who actually moved to Provence a few years ago from New York. Really interesting story in and of itself. Why she made that move, I'll let her tell it, but suffice it to say, it's going to get you thinking for sure. I wanted to have her on because she has really started this incredible movement called Isolation Creation. If you haven't already, go check it out on Instagram. It's hashtag Isolation Creation. She effectively decided that she was going to take the power back from the virus and the quarantine and all the effects that it was having on her life. In a matter of days, she had lost all of her commercial work for the rest of the year, effectively leaving her without a paycheck. And Instead of panicking, she decided to create this movement, and this movement has really blossomed and given so much hope and inspiration to hundreds of thousands of people all across the world. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fears that she has grappled with. We're going to talk about everything related to this virus. She's going to give us some insight into how things are going in France compared to the U.S. It's an incredible conversation. So I'm not going to talk too much more. You want to hear from her, not from me. The only thing I'll say is, and I'm going to caveat this by saying that most people use this as a ploy to get more views or better engagement, but you're already here. You're locked in. So trust me when I tell you the last five minutes of this conversation are incredible. Don't miss it. You will not be disappointed. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jamie back to the podcast. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So before we dive in, can you share a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you to Provence? Yes. Yeah, so I was living in New York City. I was living there for 13 years. And on a flight home to the city from a job, an international job, I thought the plane was going to crash because I get re- like ridiculous anxiety. And mm-hmm. the first thought that came to mind was, great, now I'll never know what it's like to live in France. So it was a very like clear moment. I heard myself in my head say this, and I realized how important that actually is to me. So I made a promise to myself that if the plane landed, I would move to France. And it did. And obviously, it's a much more complicated story of how you go about doing that, <laughs> like the visa process and the apartments and telling your spouse and all this stuff. But um, I like how you said it. that, informing, <laughs> informing your spouse. <laughs> Yeah. There wasn't a question. It was like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. I didn't really, yeah, I was not very, I didn't, it wasn't delicate about how I presented it. I was just, it was that, that's how like clear that the the message was to me. I had to do this. Mm -hmm. And you know, so it, so that's how I ended up coming to France and I didn't want to move to Paris because it was just a year sabbatical. Um, because it would be like my life in New York City. I wanted to be completely different. And I had been to the south of France a few times for some work. I'm a photographer. And I had fallen in love with this little region called the Luberon, which is a national park. And I could never get it out of my soul. It really, if it's a strange thing because this foreign place felt like home to me. And that was it. That's where I wanted to go. And I rented an apartment in order to get the visa. You have to have a lease. I rented it from an American couple who had some apartments here that they rent out for vacation rentals. I just sent them an email, total strangers, said, can I rent one of your places for a year? They said, we don't really do that, but sure, why not? And so I showed up 
to an apartment I'd never seen, rented from people I'd never met in a town I'd never been to. And now like it was like, I thought, well, if it sucks, it's only a year and I'll make the best of it. But it was like, it's given me, I really feel like it saved my life. And it's been four years later and a baby and we're still here. That is, that yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it was supposed to be only a year, but it, it's now been four years. What what happened at the at the year mark? Well, so the year came and went and it was just like heaven. It was like every day falling in love with life, every aspect of life over again. And, you know, we kept saying, oh, let's just stay one more month. Let's just stay one more month. And the visa was over in September. And we're like, well, let's just stay till Christmas because we'll go home for Christmas for our family. And then that will be the end. And so what we did is we went home, but we did a road trip across the United States as a way to like have some reflection because we just went through this life-changing experience that we weren't necessarily expecting. And we kind of wanted to reassess everything. And we thought, well, maybe because we're like in France, that's why we don't want to leave. So like, let's step away from that whole world and have some reflection. And we drove across the United States and basically by like day three, we were like, cannot wait to go back to France. It just felt like home. (laughs) And we were like, oh my God, how much more of the United States do we have to drive across before we get to go home to France? So, so we had to start over the whole, you know, because then our visas were expired and it was a whole disaster. We had to start over the visa process and it was very expensive and, and, and took a lot of time, but that's like when you really love it and you're willing to fight for it. Like I've learned like what I will fight for because I love it so much. It really like makes you show up because it's not, it's not a fun thing to deal with. Uh, But so we went through that and then we got visas that we can now stay and we can renew them within France every year now. So, and we stay on top of it. We don't like dilly dally around. Yeah. Yeah. And this wasn't, this wasn't a small move either because you guys were really entrenched in the New York scene and the photography scene and producing you, you guys invented cinemagraphs, uh, which, is incredibly popular and you you worked with just an amazing array of clients. So this was not like a small move. It's not like, oh, I was just kind of an independent influencer and I moved. It was like you had massive clients. So tell us a little bit about that and kind of how you dealt with that. Yeah. I mean, we were so fortunate. It was, it felt kind of felt like right time, right place with all of that, because, you know, mm-hmm. t- when Tumblr was new, you really could have a community that you were connecting to. So like I started doing my photography on there and then through the Tumblr and the micro blogging experience, we came up with cinemagraphs, which like, it was an incredible experience to have something like that go viral, to experience something that you create go viral. Um, and it was a life-changing moment. And I don't think that the internet landscape could do could do something like that anymore. You know, it's just because, you know, that was before Instagram even existed. It's like so crazy right. to think about. Mm-hmm. So we, we were doing that. We had incredible clients. I mean, we worked for Google and Tiffany and Microsoft and Cartier. It's just incredible. You know, we were young enough too. So we were very energetic and we worked all the time and we never yeah. made a single meal at home, like, cause we were just busy working <laughs> all the time. And it's like completely yeah. opposite now. Like now if we go out to eat, it's like once a month and it's like, you know, a treat. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, so one of the things that was really scary about moving to France and that we definitely talked about was, well, 
we could ruin our career. But that's how far down the New York path we had gone that we had the dream jobs and we had the dream salary and the studio and the equipment that you all like want and, and think that that's going to take you to an, another level. And we had all of that and we weren't happy. And it mm-hmm. got to a point that walking away from the dream jobs to, to go live was more valuable, something that could take away all the security that we had worked for 10 years to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes to show you how, like where you put value in your life, because you definitely don't get the value from the jobs and the clients and the stuff yeah. and the money, the things. The yeah. Things. yeah mm-hmm. the, I mean, we live, when we first came to France, the apartment we lived in was like a 700 square foot apartment. And we were so much happier than the 2000 square foot apartment in New York City. Yeah. It sounds like it really worked itself out and you kind of almost freed yourself from things that didn't actually matter in the long run, but but felt like they mattered in the moment. Right. And, you know, Kevin and I talk about freedom a lot. And, you know, the United States is based on the idea of freedom. But I actually don't think I understood what that meant until I lived free. And I never lived free until I lived in France. You know, I walk outside into my village and I'm not sold something immediately. You know, it's like in the United States, all the time you're being sold a $6 cup of coffee, a better manicure, a blowout, a better pair of shoes. (laughs) Like it's constant. It's really exhausting and you don't really understand that, but it it really entraps you. And like we have found freedom and experiencing living free has like, I will live and die to keep that freedom. Like it is, especially as a creative person to have that freedom is invaluable. Yeah. Now I would argue that you went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I would say that New York City is definitely kind of the most aggressive that you're going to get yeah. <laughs> in in the states. And there are, I would say after New York there's a big drop off in in terms of the chaos and the feeling oppressed by people trying to sell you stuff. Uh and then right. going to France obviously uh in in your little village is a complete opposite end of the spectrum. I'd say probably most of the US is somewhere in between the two. Um, but it's gotta be quite, yeah. I mean, but I think that juxtaposition is probably what really brought forth all of these feelings of freedom. Right. It's very, they're very extreme differences. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about, uh, the situation in France right now. Obviously you're extremely familiar with New York and, uh, the U S and you probably are very aware of what, what's going on there. I'd say it's probably less familiar to people in the U.S. Like, what is the situation in France right now with COVID-19? So I have to say that my perspective is coming from that of an American in a foreign country. I don't speak or read French, so I really get my direction from French friends I have that text me, you know, and tell me what to do or email me mm-hmm. the documents I need to have because I can't sure. keep, keep up necessarily. So I can only speak to my experience, and I'm sure that true French people have a different perspective. But I have to say, being going through this pandemic in a country that feels, from my interpretation, unified is a very calming experience. I feel like all the French people got together and they said, okay, we're going to do this for the greater good, and it's going to be fine, and we're going to be calm about it. And so we're all just going to stay home and close our stores and that's it. And we're not going to complain about it. And that's what it feels like from, from my perspective, which is really, really makes it a lot easier to accept 
and to know it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And is there a cultural kind of influence there that helped this occur that you think is special to France in particular? You know, I'm not really sure. I think that the different, a major difference between French people and American people is that they lived through wars on their soil. And when, before we got put down in a lockdown, I went to a neighboring village to ship some frames to New York that for what was supposed to be exhibition, which has now been canceled. And the guy who does the shipping goes in and out of Nice to where the airport is. And he was like totally panicked about the coronavirus. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you need to go and, and stock your pantry with dry goods and fill your car with gas and you need to stay home and he's like we and he told me he's like we're a war country we understand we know what it's like to live without food and without money you need to prepare yourself and i was like oh my god <laughs> so mm. i ran home and like kevin and i went to the grocery store and so we were all stocked up like two weeks before the rest of the country did their stocking them right mm -hmm. so i think that that has a major impact on it is that they're survivors and they've been through so much worse than having sure. to just stay home to keep people healthy you know yeah a very it's a very different perspective i think you're absolutely right one of the neighbors in our village in my uh, building is an 80 something year old woman and she she says that my husband reminds her of the GIs, American GIs that used to roll through town during World War II or at the end. Really? Yeah. She remembers that. She was a little girl and she can still point to her window she grew up in in the village. I mean, time is different here. Like, you know, things just yeah. don't change. So you, you, we have buildings that are 2,000 years old. It's, you know, so it's just layers and layers of, of, of history and memories. So Sure. And this probably doesn't feel as bad, perhaps, as what was going on all right. those years ago. We all get like a little lonely, but it's better than being shot at, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say, to say the least. That's right. Well, talk to us a little. You, you mentioned you went to a neighboring village to send off uh, some frames that were going to be used in an exhibition. Tell us a little bit about the business side of things. How have they shifted? How rapidly have they shifted? So this is quite interesting because I was speaking to you earlier about how every day is kind of a roller coaster. When the coronavirus happened and we all went on lockdown, I lost basically my years, what would be my salary in commercial work. So I still fly back to the United States to shoot for, for brands. That's how I make my living for the most part. And they all, all those shoots were canceled. And the exhibition that... I had spent a year working on from the limited edition prints to sourcing it's all antique French frames and getting them over to be framed in New York and all this stuff. Um, that was canceled. And that's something I had invested like $20,000. in. so it was like, it was, a, it was like, you know, gambling on yourself to do limit, a limited edition set of prints. Uh, so it was a bit of a, I don't necessarily know how I'm going to pay my rent. And if we're stuck like this, it's not like I can go out and do a hustle and make some money. So it was a, it was really scary there. And then what, what's another like silver lining to this whole thing is for about three years, I've been kind of fantasizing about having my own store and selling my own prints online. Because, you know, when you sell through another store or a gallery or something, they take 50%. And they all want you to still sell it through your audience. Obviously, I mean, that makes sense. But I'm like, so 
I'm cultivating the conversation in the audience and then I'm selling them and I'm giving you 50% and that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I always thought, well, I should just have my own, I should just do it directly. And this is not a new concept. There are other artists out there who are really successfully doing this. And it's a little trickier when your audience is all over the world and you're shipping from a small village in France though. So super tricky. I mean, literally the mantle is full of a stack of, of fine art prints that I have to ship all over the world. And whenever I go into the post office, they're always like, like what, who are you? What is, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened is, is, you know, I was a bit in a bit of despair and I was talking about it on my Instagram and one of my friends in New York was like, just do it yourself. Just do it yourself. And she pushed me. She's like, Thursday, you're going to do it. And I, I would have procrastinated. I mean, I procrastinated putting this whole thing together for three years, even though it's what my dream was. And so she like set this deadline. And so I was like, Kevin, we have to build a store. And so we had like three days to build, to build a store and to get like products ready. And uh, we did this like whole hustle and it was amazing. Like the, everyone, like we had champagne, everyone showed up to an Instagram live. I had a gallery show. I sold out of my fine art prints before I even finished showing them. It was incredible. And then we launched. And so I've started this project called hashtag isolation creation. And I started it on the day that France put us um, in lockdown. So every single day I created a new piece of art and then I share the process of creating it. I share the concept. I share the editing. And then I, then I post it on my Instagram feed, the final thing, so everyone can see from start to finish the entire process. And then to take it the next step further is we then put it into a poster for the series, which has that day. And then, yeah, and we put it in the store and then I sell it. So it's like the complete circle within one day. And then and I think today was day 20 of isolation creation. But then, so it was a challenge to myself as an artist, but I also wanted to challenge the people who follow me because a lot of people are, in my community are also creatives and artists and photographers and writers and painters. So I wanted them to do something too, because I know if this is happening to me, they, they must be having the same struggles that I'm having about losing jobs and income and what are we going to do? But they also have the same power that I had. And I wanted to take the power back for myself and I wanted to inspire them to take it back for them. So we're stuck at home. We don't have any money coming in, but you can still paint and you can still sing and you can still draw. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to be productive and get better every day, but I can't do anything about it. And you can do it too. That's incredible. Yeah. So in this response was like a media. I mean, it's so every morning I go through the hashtag and I pull out my favorite creations from the community all around the world. And it's so inspiring and so uplifting to see all these people making beautiful things and not just sitting there like feeling sorry for themselves or being depressed or being afraid. You know, it's like you you get to own own your destiny again. You get to feel empowered and it's just a really positive thing. And so it's been incredible. Absolutely incredible. I want to dig in a little bit here because the isolation creation is absolutely something I want to spend a lot of time on. But I also kind of want to understand the shop that you guys built in three days. Are Kev, my two- husband, Kevin, my I can't take credit. He, my husband, Shout out Kevin, to Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, he had some <laughs> late nights, that guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it, isn't it amazing what you can figure out and what you can accomplish when your back's up against the wall? Yeah, absolutely. It's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And it's, it's just... 
to, to ha- be able to have the time to do something that I've been dreaming about, I was like forced into it through, it was mm-hmm. like horrific, but then it's like the best thing that ever happened. So it's like yeah. very, oh, it's like very up and down every single day is what I was saying. So it's like, Absolutely. oh my God, the world's ending. Oh my God, I'm living my dream. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the, the store, was that a separate decision from the isolation creation T- tell me a little bit about what came first. What was the thought process around each of those? So the isolation creation came first out of my fear of losing everything and not liking the way that was putting me in a mental state. So I was saying, I'm going to make something every single day. I'm going to challenge myself. And I'm making that announcement and asking the community to also do the same for them and use the hashtag so we can all come together and do this. That was the first step in the process. And I can still remember saying the kid in the kitchen of the apartment, I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make one photo. And it takes me a long time to make one photograph. It's not like I take a picture out the window. It's like, right, it, takes right. a few, it takes a few hours of photographing. It takes a few hours of editing every day. So right. it's a real commitment and it's emotionally incredibly draining because you mm-hmm. have, you know, you put so much of yourself into it. So I told him, I was like, I'm going to make a photograph every single day and post it while we're in isolation. He was like, Oh God, please no. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, and I'm going to hashtag isolation creation. And so he he's he's a little bit smarter than I am. He's like, well, just make sure that no one's using that hashtag yet. So we like checked it out and there was only a few posts and it was not nothing really related to this whole concept. So we're like, okay, that's it. And he goes, why don't you wait and start on Monday? And I was like, no, I'm doing it today. <laughs> Got my stuff and went down the studio and he's like, okay, here we go. And then the store happened a few days later when my friend who was a fashion designer in Hudson, New York, when she t- told everyone, she, she told me, she's like, you need to have the show yourself and do it on your own Instagram. And we're going to do it on Thursday. So basically that gate, basic, yeah. So I think it was Monday or Tuesday when she sent me that message and then she set the deadline for Thursday. So then Kevin built the store and we, and I was like, well, everyone wants to buy prints. I don't just want to put like expensive fine art prints up for sale because that's just like, it's such a bummer, you know, when mm-hmm. you love someone's work and you can't afford it. And especially right now when everyone's like really struggling with jobs and the economy. Right. So I was like, I want to make something that's affordable to everybody. I can't, we're not in a process right now where we can check prints. Like I don't just want to do like, you know, I just don't want to, I don't, I don't want to put my name on a print that I can't check, but we can do posters. Like we can do posters for the series. That's a whole collection that will have each of the day and you can collect days and you can ask your friend, like, what day do you have? Like I have five and I have 15 and it will be a real time marker through this whole process. So maybe we'll be in isolation for 50 days, maybe 70 days. I don't know, but it will be a real true marker of a moment in time. And each of the days comes with a story. Like on the website, you can read the caption, which is about where my headspace is. So as an artist, I feel like I'm communicating what this experience was like for a human that I think will be interesting a hundred years from now as like um, a diary. Amazing. No, it's it's truly incredible. And I think one of the other things is not only has it unleashed your creativity and, and like you said, you're putting a silver lining in what is a very tough, tough time. But the impact is it's had is incredible. I mean, as of today, there's seventy eight thousand posts. I know Isn't under that this. It is incredible. I mean, did you see it at all, or was literally the only thing you did was say, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. You should do it with me." That's pretty much it. I mean, day one on my Instagram story, I said I have an announcement. 
this is what I'm doing. You should do it with me. And then I put it in the feed that night with the photo from the day with the announcement and the hashtag. And people, they got it immediately and they got on board and it was like, you know, it just, it just started happening. I mean, starting day one right alongside with me, it was incredible. That is really, really amazing. I don't know how you choose your favorites among 78,000 different posts. Yeah, you should be me. Everyone should have to be me every morning because I have to go through and it's like torture because there's so much (laughs) and there's so many beautiful ones. And it's like, oh, how do you choose? Mm -hmm. But I really like having a curated gallery of my favorites, you know, just because it's also like they save to my phone whenever I post. So just so I can also see like what artists were creating around the world, you know, when I go back through my history or like what I was inspired by too, you know. Absolutely. And before we get to kind of, before we dig into the, the incredible response, what, what has this project done for you personally as an artist and creator? Well, it's really had me confront my fears because you always say, where am I going to get my next idea from? Especially when you build your career on cinemagraphs, which is like a huge idea, a living photograph. And everyone wants to know, what's the next thing you're going to do? And you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. So I mean, that last thing I did was pretty great. Like, can we enjoy that for a little longer? (laughs) I know. It's like, can we just like do that for a moment? So, you know, so it's like this pressure, you put pressure on yourself. And so you think, well, you know, it's a really scary idea. I can't leave my house. So, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to share what I'm creating every single day and publish it, which means it can't, like, if you take a bad photo, well, that's the photo you have to share it. And which is like terrifying for someone like me who only wants to post like the best thing I can possibly make all the time. Sure. So it's been a really interesting challenge to have to face those fears of, Will I run out of ideas? And I found out that, no, I've actually, like, it's growing. It's as if I planted a seed on day one, and now it's, like, growing and growing. I, now I told Kevin, I was like, I kind of want this to last a really long time because I have so many ideas that I want to do. And this is not leaving my house. This is not, like, buying products to shoot. This is just, like, looking around, looking at the light, you know, seeing what's blooming out the window and making something and trying to have ideas that communicate what I'm feeling and thinking that day and what's happening to us. So it's ha- it's really helped me grow immensely. Which is incredible to say because you've been a photographer for your whole life. Since I was 13. My mom yeah. gave me her film camera when I was 13. And I swear to God, I can still remember the first time I put my eye up to that window. Mm-hmm. I, it was just magic to me. I was just totally in love and entranced with it. And so this is not like somebody picking up photography a year ago and saying, this has totally transformed me. This is a lifelong photographer who's worked with the biggest brands in the world saying, this has completely transformed how I view my art and myself as a creator and the work that I produce. That's a, that's a huge, huge transformation. It is huge. And you know, I was really afraid that I would start out like super strong and then I would kind of start falling off because doing it every single day is very emotionally draining. And what are your ideas? Where are they going to come from when you can't leave the space you're in? Um, And I was afraid that they would get bad. And instead, I made a photograph two days ago of tulips, spring flowers. It's one of my favorite photographs I've ever taken. And I would not have been able to get to that point had I not been every day like ringing that bell, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's another thing that's really interesting about this is 
is, you know, you look on, I mean, this is an influencer podcast. So you look at people who are really successful in this space and what do they have in common? And that is consistency, like Casey Neistat's daily vlog, consistency, Babish. Like these are the YouTubes that we watch. Like you know what you're going to get, you know when it's coming and that that's everything. And so it's been also really interesting on the like quote unquote business side of Instagram is that by being consistent with what I'm doing every single day and having a clear thing that I'm doing, my I've been gaining followers. It's just amazing. I gain like a thousand followers every day. It's like super organic and really yeah. wonderful. That is amazing. And you, you touched on this a little bit. Has this been harder or easier than you'd imagine when you when you said to your husband in the kitchen, I'm going to do this <laughs> at that moment? Has it been harder or easier than you'd, you'd imagined? Um, it's both, actually. It, it's harder in that I do, like, I do wish I could have one day off and not necessarily cre- like creatively, but it's, you know, it's like, we have a baby too. So it would be really nice to have like a down day where I didn't have the baby and I didn't have to shoot. And I could just like, my brain could just kind of like turn recover. off and rest. Recover. Exactly. I wish I could have a recovery day. So it's really difficult in that aspect. But then it's easier than I thought it was going to be because it's like I slowly got the wheel turning and now it's going. Now it's like humming along. And now I have like all these ideas that I want to do. And I feel like I'm really blossoming into what this body of work is going to be. And then that is really exciting for me, especially as an artist. And I look forward to every day what I'm going to create. So I was not expecting for that to happen. I thought that I would have a few good ideas and then I'd run out of shit to do and be like, oh, God, <laughs> what? Oh, my God. <laughs> so is there anything you've done throughout this process to keep it from being a burden and to keep it from overwhelming you? Is there you know, anything in your process, your mindset, the way you approach your day, anything that you, you've specifically and intentionally done to avoid it becoming a burden and something that just overwhelms you? Right. So I would say it's it, it's never a burden. It's never going to be a burden just because I get so much joy out of making photographs that it is it is the highlight of my day and the highlight of my life. And I've spoken to this a little bit on social media about that we have a baby and I was surprised I didn't get personal fulfillment by being a mother. Like I love my child. I, I, I'm obsessed with her and I adore her and I want the best for her and, it, and I love being together. But I don't get personal fulfillment. I get that from my work. And my work is incredibly important to me and it gives me my purpose in life. So it's really important that I have the time to do that. I also made a point to say that, you know, if it if I was a man, we wouldn't even have to say that. Like, of course a man would have, you know, his purpose in life and then his child. But for women, it's like your purpose is supposed to be your baby. And it's like, well, it, you know, there's a lot of love and fulfillment there, but my purpose is my photography. So it's never a burden. Like having life is the burden because all I want to <laughs> do is take pictures. It's the other way around. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so, but you know, but then you, there is a balance. So you have to check a balance. Like I, I, the husband and the baby, and we have to do laundry and and cook meals and all this stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. what we've so that gets tricky because the light that I like to shoot in is early evening light. We just went through daylight savings time, so now mm-hmm. my light is running into baby's bedtime like dinner bedtime routine. So that uh. started getting a little tricky and a little stressful for us. So actually, two days ago we just changed 
the um, schedule. So now I get up and the first thing I do in the morning is shoot, which is actually like I prefer to kind of like, you know, like procrastinate into it and like kind of hum and haw in my head over about what I'm going to create all day long. But now this is actually really great because I get up, I have my idea, I go and I do it. And then I get that like high satisfaction when it's over. And then I have the rest of the day and I don't have to be like stressing out about if I'm going to make the shot the way I intend to and all of these little technical things. So that's actually, so it's really just like technical balance with our life that we've been trying to figure out. And this is like the new solution is get up and do the shot first. So silver linings inside of silver linings. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Let's turn, let's turn really quickly to the responses. And we talked about 78,000 plus posts uh, have been shared to this specific hashtag. You've been gaining thousands of followers a day. Tell us a little bit about the messages that you're getting, the things that you're seeing, and and just kind of the impact from the outside world that that you're seeing. I think the most meaningful is people who say, the first story I watch when I get up in the morning with my coffee because it's so calm. It makes me feel calm. And I am not, I'm not immune to the news and I'm not immune from the economy tanking. Like I'm feeling all these effects too. I have the same fears, all, all of this, but I don't, you know, it's like, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't stop the pandemic. I can't stop companies laying off people. I can't do anything, but what I can do is I can make something beautiful and I can share that. And the people who are tuning in to watch that, it's bringing them that little bit of comfort that I'm giving to myself is giving it to them as well. And that's one of the best messages and the most common messages that I receive. That's amazing. And tell me a little bit about the impact on other artists, because clearly you've had a massive impact on artists all around the world. Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing is they're just inspired to create to do what it is that they've been gifted to do and that is I think that's important for artists to feel empowered especially in times like these so those messages from these people that like it inspired them to get in the studio inspired them to paint this painting and inspired them to do something is is great and important I think and especially I mean the art the world needs artists right now and this is the other thing for anyone who isn't an artist you need art. The world needs art. We, they need us to tell the stories, to, to face the realities, to, to show the beauty, to show the humanity in such our situations. And we can't let the artist fade away or die away in the noise of the politics and the fears and the death and the fighting. You know, you need the artist there to to shed the light on everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that not only to shed the light, but to capture these moments, I think that your portrait from day 19, which was yesterday, you know, when we're recording this right now, is just so powerful, right? Yeah. It's the three of you wearing Ooh. masks and the story that that tells. And I think that it's not just about spreading hope and love and light during a very difficult time, but it's also an opportunity to capture that moment in time to be conveyed forward to future generations so they can understand, right? They can, it it evokes a feeling that interviews on CNN won't, right? Right. Or interviews on any name, your, you know, your, your, your network media outlet won't. Right. I mean, it is that 
photograph in particular is one that confronts our reality. It's not the painting the world and and seeing the beauty in it that I, I typically like to do. It is really just confronting the reality that we are facing right now. Yeah. And for those who, who are ever, obviously everybody listening to this, it is a portrait of your family wearing masks. And you guys were uh, given those masks because you uh, you had learned that the coronavirus had actually reached your, your town and somebody had passed away, correct? Exactly. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just it tells this incredible story. It's this beautiful family, but you can't see their faces because they all have masks on. Right. And, you know, it was a really scary, you know, you talk about vulnerability with artists and putting things out there. And that was a really, really difficult one to hit publish on because it's because you're making people look at the truth of what's happening. And that's difficult. And, and you know, I'm a very sensitive person. So, you know, I read every single comment people leave me and I see every single DM that comes through and, and I knew it would cause a reaction. Luckily, I have a really amazing community that's very understanding. So I explained a lot in the stories about the concept and why it was important to me to share this, even though it's not necessarily easy to, to look at. And beyond even just having the virus being in our village and being given the masks and being like faced with the fact that it's on our doorstep, which is a whole, like, it's just, it is a really weird thing to live through. Then to also have what it feels like to put a mask on. I've never, we didn't even put the masks on correctly. Like we don't, we've never worn masks in our life. Like to put a mask on your face, like, oh, like, it's hard to kind of, it's kind of hard to breathe. And, and then to go outside and like, look at somebody and think, oh God, like, I hope you don't think that I'm like afraid of you or that I think you're sick and I'm trying to like keep you away from me or, you know, so like, it was nice because some people have some comments kind of um, shedding light on that mask could also be a symbol of positivity of, of, of trying to like protect your community because when you wear a mask, you could potentially keep be keeping others from getting sick. So there was nice, like, community conversation around it as well but so it was also representing going through that part of this isolation that was important for me to remember because I'd never experienced something like that and and this is what we're living through in this pandemic and it can be a lesson for future events world events that happen that we have to face is how did I navigate this and what was the experience like and it's cataloged and um, shared and so it can maybe better prepare myself or the world in the future for things like this. Yeah. And it, it, elicit emo- it elicits emotions that other forms of communication can't and hopefully creates empathy uh, with people either looking you know, in on your life now or back on your life in the future that right. you just can't be captured in other ways. Right. So it, this has obviously just been a wonderful movement inside of a very difficult time, but what are your plans going forward? Obviously, um, you're going to continue doing this, it, it sounds like, and it, you have a wonderful momentum. But I also saw that you partnered up with Katie Rogers from Paper Fashion the other <gasps> yes. day. And so we're oh starting to see this this kind of this movement blossom and, and almost as if a tree, you know, different branches coming out of it. Yes, that was Katie Rogers, for those who do not know, is a painter from New York City who just moved to Santa Fe. And she does shadow dancers is sort of like ballet dancers most famously and she sent me a message we're friends from our new york Times, and she sent me a message and said i want to do something called a creative duet 
where I want you to film creating one of your still lives and then you send it to me and then I'm going to paint based on that and I'll film my hands and then I'll cut them together. So I got up and first thing in the morning, I created mine with some tulips that the the local grocery store in our village, it's like a little farm stand that they were selling from a tulip farmer at the next town because all of the flower farmers, the florist shops are closed in France. And they own France, they keep everything very separate. Like you go to one store for your cheese and one store for your bread and one store for your flowers. It's all separate. So this, these, this, this like local farmers being devastated by not having nowhere to sell his flowers. So he was like, well, I'll try to sell them in my like fruit farm stand. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, you have flowers. I was like, I'll buy your flowers. I'll buy any flowers from any farmer that you get. I'll buy them. I'll buy them. So these are the tulips from the local farmer, which felt, felt so great to be able to support somebody, you know, in our community. And I was like, this would be perfect for the for Katie because her creations are like very kind of like, like, it's like a scene in a ballet is what I always think about. It's like a Degas painting come to life. And um, so I sent that to her first thing in the morning and she spent her morning then in Santa Fe doing her part and then put them together for us to share. And it was, it's like pure bliss joy to see another artist and do an interpretation with the same subject matter that you're working with. Right. So mm-hmm. that was had you ever, really- have you ever done that before? No, no. Yeah. I love that. And, and this is, I think, one of the most special things about what you're doing, not only the impact and the 78,000 plus people who are sharing, and, and you have to figure that the number of people who are actually acting upon this in one way or another is probably three or four or five times that number, because not everybody's going to be posting or use the correct hashtag. Right. But not only that, you are engendering new ideas and other artists and being able to have somebody like Katie reach out to you right. and work together and create this. And that is further going to spawn new ideas inside of other creators as well. And you know what? We would not have ever taken the time to do that had we not all been stuck at home. And isn't that That's wonderful? Right. Yeah. It is. It is wonderful. And, and, and we, are not, these... we are not powerless when we're stuck at home. We can be totally empowered by being stuck yeah. at home. You know, and it's interesting because I go back to your first post uh, about this and that's what it kind of circled around the the description or the comments that you wrote around the first post that you did was all about empowering yourself. And it's clear right. that's what you've done, not only for yourself, but a whole host of other creatives. And I think uh, a lot of people owe you a debt of gratitude for that um, because this has really kind of not only transformed your life and your business, but but also, you know, transformed the lives of other people. And, and I actually want to dig in on that for a moment because obviously you had this moment early in your life Uh, earlier in your life, I should say, where you were on a plane home and it shocked you into realizing what you wanted and how you wanted to live your life. I kind of feel like you might be in another moment like that, albeit slightly more drawn out. It wasn't like a six-hour flight. This is an ongoing uh, crisis. So how has it changed you? How will it change you both on the personal side, but also on the professional side? You know, it's when you're in it, it's so hard to see the where it's going, right? So all I can do right now, all is is all I can do right now is wake up, take care of my baby, feed my family, try to keep the house picked up enough and make my one piece of art that day. And I don't that takes so much out of me to do that that I can't see yet necessarily 
what it all, the impact it's going to have on me. All I know is that I'm a, I'm growing as an artist. I'm confronting fears as an artist and being able to answer questions that I might not have ever asked myself to face in my lifetime. Will, you know, will I run out of ideas? Am I good enough? Is my work, if I have to do this work every single day, am I eventually just going to not be good at it anymore because I'm going to run out of things to do or ideas to have? So it's like pushing myself and proving to myself that I I am a photographer in in a, such a deeper way than I would have ever asked myself if I am because I would be afraid of the answer. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? A hundred percent. It's only when you're confronted with these very difficult situations, only when you're confronted with a crisis, a pandemic, can you really kind of know what you're made of? And it's almost like you've been given the opportunity to prove to yourself, this is who you are. This is what you are. And this is what you're meant to be. Right. And I think, I think that there are definitely, there's definitely going to be a lot of change for everyone in the world after this, but also for myself, after knowing what I'm capable of, after being pushed to this level, that is going to change how I approach working in the future and what I will choose to do. I guess in the same way that we didn't move back to the United States, you know, like this is going to change the kind of work that I do in the future because now I know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'd also imagine, uh, not imagine, I know for a fact that this is a moment in time where a lot of different people are taking a step back and evaluating in their lives. Yes, whether, it's such a good time to do that. Right, whether or not they had done it intentionally or they did it accidentally or you know whatever the case might be. Um, you now have had several moments in your life where you've had to do the same thing. What advice would you have for these people as they try to navigate these thoughts and conversations, which can be kind of convoluted? Right, it is the world is being like, wiped away down to the foundation, right? Everything's everything's just gone. It's just like someone hit delete on all of our lives as they were. It will never be the same. So now if you have nothing to lose because we've already kind of all lost everything, what is it that you truly want to do? What, what was working in your life and what wasn't working in your life? And now is the moment to, to take the time to figure that out to experiment and see what it is that gets you out of bed every day that makes you excited. What are you dreaming about? And what are you reading about? What are your interests in? And when we come, when you all walk out of this tunnel together, maybe in a couple of months and maybe not till next year, I don't know, but this is the time for you to say, you know what, you know, I'm standing in the center of the compass now and I'm going to choose my own, my own direction and take that step that way. I think that that's what's going to happen to me after knowing what I'm capable of doing only my artwork. And I think that this is the perfect opportunity for everyone else to figure out where they want to go with their lives when we leave this. Couldn't have said it better. Jamie, that oh, is such good. a wonderful sentiment. And I think the the perfect way to kind of end this podcast, uh, I think Great. that's incredibly hopeful, you know, in, in a very tough time, that's an incredibly hopeful sentiment. And whether you've chosen to be in this situation, which none of us have, or whether you've been forced into it, like all of us have, <laughs> using it as an opportunity to decide what you really want out of life is possibly the best thing that you can do. 
Right. So, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's no other way, right? No other way, but through. Right. So, well, Jamie, thanks so much again for joining us today on Influencer Business. It's been an absolute pleasure. If people want to get in touch with you, buy your prints or find you on the internet, where do they go? You can go to jamiebeck.co, which will lead you to the prints, the fine art, and my Instagram is also on there, which currently is Ann Street Studio, which is our old studio in New York. And I'm trying to find someone on Instagram who will help me change my handle to jamiebeck.co. Yeah. So you can go to jamiebeck.co or you can go to Ann Street Studio. One leads to the other. It's a whole circle eight. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Jamie, thanks again. It's been wonderful to chat and all the best in your future days of creating. Thank you so much and take care of your baby. I'll take care of mine. (laughs) Will do. Another big thank you to Jamie for joining us today on Influencer Business. One quick note, Jamie was actually able to change her Instagram handle. So if you want to find her on Instagram, head over to jamiebeck.co. That is her new Instagram handle, jamiebeck.co. I hope you got as much out of that interview as I did It's incredible to see how Jamie has faced this process, what she has done, how she's faced a lot of her fears, and learned a lot about herself in the process. This is not the first life-changing experience that she has had, but it's interesting to see how how it is affecting her now. It's clearly changed how she's approaching work. It's changed, you know, how she's approaching life in general. So many great moments from this interview, and I think Jamie gave us a lot of different perspectives through which we can think about our lives, whether it's not being powerless because we're at home or whether it's wiping the slate clean or whether it's about thinking about what do we want to do with the rest of our lives. So hopefully she's given you a new or at least a different perspective on life. And again, a big thank you to Jamie for joining us today. And as always, I know this was a different episode for us here at Influencer Business, but if you're a creator, an influencer, an entrepreneur of any sort, head over to trovebusiness.com or find us on Instagram at trovebusiness. We have everything you need to run your business more efficiently. We are the Influencer Business resource. I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Influencer Business. We'll see you next time.